High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Uh, I don't know about you, but I look forward to Sundays. You know, I really do. And I look forward to Wednesday nights also. I look forward to any time that we have to gather together, to fellowship one with another, to be in the presence of the Lord and to receive from his word. We're so glad that all of you are here this morning. And uh, I know that you're in the right place at the right time and that God has something very powerful to impart into your life today. Amen. Did you come with your expector on today? Uh, how many of you that came with your expector, you've got it turned all the way up? You got it turned all the way up, you know? You know, one of the things that I found is you have to live your life with constant expectation. You don't live from a position, I'm just waiting to see if somebody has something to bless me with. No, I live from a position, from a perspective that, praise the Lord, God has something good that he wants to do in my life today. I don't know how many of you remember the late Oral Roberts. Anybody remember Oral Roberts? And he used to have a television program. I remember watching this television program whenever I was a very young boy uh, growing up and even as a teenager and something that they said, every program was this. Some, most of you remember it. What did they say? Something good is going to happen to you. Can you just turn to somebody and tell them that this morning? Say, something good is going to happen to you. You know, we need to live with an expectation of good things happening to us because we serve a good God. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning. That means that what he's done for one, he'll do for you, praise the Lord. And it also means this, he's not going to bless you one day and then curse you the next. I want everybody to understand that God doesn't have any cursing to give you. You know why? Because Jesus bore the curse whenever he took the prize, when he hung on the tree, took the stripes upon his back. Whenever he suffered the punishment for sin, you have to understand that Jesus took the curse. That means that the only thing that God has left for you is blessing. I said the only thing that God has left for you is blessing. There are many believers today, this is not my message, but I just feel inspired to say this, that uh, there are many believers today that are forfeiting the blessing of God, but understand, uh, and they're not walking in the fullness of it, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bless you. And God wants to bless every area and every arena of your life. He wants to bless you spirit, soul, and body. He wants to bless your family. He wants to bless your sons and your daughters. He wants to bless even your in-laws. I, you know, I think sometimes some of you are going, oh, about that. And let me tell you, God, you're a lot better living with your in-laws blessed, right? You're a lot better living with your in-laws blessed and walking in the blessing of the Lord. It'll be a much easier to tolerate them. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you move from toleration to where you're coming into celebration. Glory to God. Amen. And I believe God to bless my in-laws. Amen. Outlaws too. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, this morning, uh, we're kind of concluding this series that we started the beginning of the month called Family Matters. And uh, of course, last week we had Bishop Joe Matera and 
We just gave him the freedom and liberty to share whatever he desired, and he shared a wonderful message on seeking the Lord. How many God seekers do we have in the house this morning? Look at somebody say, I'm a God seeker. And you know, there's various ways that we seek the Lord. We seek him through his word. We seek him in prayer. You know, there's an element of seeking God whenever we just gather together and we fellowship one with another. The Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And so whenever we come together and we begin to fellowship, there's an element of seeking the Lord. Whenever we worship, whenever we praise, we're seeking the Lord. When we dance and we celebrate, we're seeking the Lord. Whenever we begin to do spiritual warfare. We are seeking the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? All of these are elements of seeking the Lord, and so we're a church that seeks the Lord. Uh, but this morning, we were going to, we're going to close out this series on family matters, and uh, how many of you believe this morning that family actually matters? It, it matters in the world that we live in, but it matters to God. God it has great interest in your family. Yes, he wants you to serve him, but he doesn't want just you to serve him. He wants your family to serve him. As a matter of fact, the will of God is that you, your children, and your children's children, and the generations that are to come, that they serve the Lord all the days of their life. And as I said, I believe that the promise extends outside of just the family tree going this way. I believe the branches, as far as those branches extend, uh, that the promise and the covenants of God are to extend out uh, into those that are related to us in any way. Second, third, cursing, removed, whatever, praise the Lord. God wants to affect their lives too. You know, listen, you know, as your faith is, so it be it unto you. And if you just believe it's just going to be you and your wife, well, you know, my kids can do whatever they want to do. I know that God has given them free will, but I want to go on record to say this. They can't just do whatever they want to do. They are locked into a covenant. And my Bible tells me that my sons and my daughters, they will prophesy. Hallelujah. They may not be doing it right now, but I'm telling you, they're coming around. I said they're coming around. Some of you are believing God today for some in-laws, and you're believing God for some your sons and daughters and maybe even some grandsons and granddaughters, but I'm telling you, you have a promise from God today that says that if you will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, that not only will you be saved, but that your entire household will serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Whenever you read Joel chapter 2, this isn't my message. I'm just kind of prophet preaching today. Hallelujah. You know what I mean when I say prophet preaching, right? Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it, Joel actually said this. He said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon what? All flesh. How many of you, have, do we have any flesh in the building this morning? You know, if you're here, you got some flesh. Praise. So you couldn't have gotten here. We don't want any spirits just floating around. Y'all do understand that. And so, uh, you know, you, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That means he's going to pour out his spirit upon white flesh, Hispanic flesh, amen, black African flesh, right, Asian flesh. I'm glad God poured out his spirit upon the Asian flesh. I love the way Mark plays that guitar. And I'm telling you, he's got long hair, but Lord, what are you, is it, what, Philipp, Filipino? He's, he's from the Philippines, praise the Lord. And by the way, he and Tay are just a wonderful, lovely couple. We love them so much. But he's filled with the, God, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. 
You know, the, 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 the Lord's no respecter of persons. He said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, but he doesn't stop there. He says, your sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. Hallelujah. Man, you are, we, it makes me just want to run around the building whenever I hear that. If you meditate upon that just for a moment, my sons and daughters, they don't have a choice because God's already declared it in his word that they're going to prophesy. Hallelujah. Right? Every one of Chuck and Debbie's sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. Wits appear on the keyboard, right? And Alexandra, they're in Crestview, high praise Crestview. And, and then uh, Graham, where is Graham? He's directing. Is he directing this morning? Graham's directing this morning. And Courtney's up in the choir. Hallelujah. And they're all going to prophesy in one way or another. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you, our sons and our daughters, we taught them to prophesy young at age. We, we taught them that there was no big Holy Ghost and little Holy Ghost. There's one Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that's on the inside of me that gives me words to prophesy and give to other people to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort, that same Holy Spirit is also in you. They were all filled with, I think they were filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues before they, before they could speak in English real well. We like to say it like this. Our first language is tongues. <laughs> my first language is tongues. That's my native language. My native language isn't English. My native language is tongues. And whenever you realize that first and foremost you are a part of the kingdom of God, you understand that your native language is tongues. I'm going to go ahead and get off on this. I may not get to the notes today, but you know, uh, w there's, there are many people today that are missing out on God's best because they don't believe the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for believers today. But I want to announce to every single one of you, and if I can announce it to everybody on Facebook and anybody else that may see us in any form or fashion, if you're saved, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, evidenced by speaking in other tongues. This is not something foreign. It's not something strange. It is what God intended all along for every believer to live with and an empowerment from on high that gives a supernatural language actually imparted into your spirit being so that whenever I don't know how to pray, I can begin to cry out in other tongues so that whenever I need to be edified and built up, there's a power source that's right on the inside of me. Whenever I need to be encouraged, Encouraged. Uh, whenever I don't have anybody else around, let me tell you, you do that for 10 minutes, and all of a sudden your battery uh, gets to going, hallelujah, and you'll be ready to run around the building. Amen? And it's not something strange. It's not something weird. It's normal for every believer. As a matter of fact, listen, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit evidence by speaking in tongues today, you need to, before you go out those doors today, you need to come and receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Somebody asked me one time, you mean you speak in tongues? And my response was, you mean you don't? 
This is the norm for believers. It's supposed to be the norm for believers. In the early church, it was the norm for every believer to speak in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, 120 believers were gathered in an upper room, and the Bible says that every single one of them were baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and every single one of them spoke in tongues. By the law, listen, by the law of first mention, that means this, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is supposed to be accompanied by speaking in other tongues. It is a supernatural language that you are given. And regardless of what somebody in some type of theological seminary has tried to explain away, you know what? You got to me too late. Praise God. Once you've received it, once you've tasted of the good thing that God has, you're not going to go back to an old way of living. Amen? Amen? How many of you are glad you're filled with the Holy Ghost? You know, listen, I believe that part of the revival that God is bringing forth today is going to cause many, many hundreds and thousands of believers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Now, this morning, <clears throat> my second message today, we're talking about family. Oh, I know where I was going. I didn't ever get there. He said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh, your sons and your daughters, they will prophesy. They're going to prophesy. But listen, for them to prophesy, they've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is one of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that come after the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I don't have time to teach on that this morning. But then he goes on to say this, Upon your handmaidens and upon your servants... I will pour out my spirit. You know what he's saying? He says, not only is, are those who are family members going to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and, and receive the outpouring, but also even those who work for you, even those that you work with. You know what? Why don't we as a church begin to believe God that wherever we're working, wherever we go from day to day, that there will be a Holy Ghost outpouring wherever we're at. In other words, on Tyndall Air Force Base, how many of you know we can extend our faith and believe God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Amen. At, uh, at uh, uh, what your name it? Teamworks, there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. By the way, how many of you appreciate the awning that is in progress right now? Isn't it beautiful? It's not finished yet. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous. But, you know, thank, praise the Lord. We're excited about that. But, you know what? Everybody around you, God wants to affect everybody around you. He wants to affect your entire family. So this morning, the title of the message in this series is called Back to the Garden. Back to the Garden. You know, the way God starts something is the way that God intends for it to be. And if you want to know what family is supposed to look like, then you have to go back to the place where God initiated family to start out with. And where we find family being initiated is in the Garden of Eden at creation. And I believe that God did it right. Does anybody else believe that God did it right? You know, part of the vision that we have here at High Praise it's very, you know, it's very evident whenever you walk in the doors, it's there on the wall. We call it our vision wall. It's number one, equip believers. Number two, building families. Building families is one of the key points. It's one, the, one of the foundation stones of the vision that God has given us here at High Praise. And that is to build families, to impart into you the truths, the understandings, the knowledge that you need in order to have a strong family. 
Understand this, if we can all prophesy, if we have great services and we're running around the building and we're seeing all sorts of miracles, but if our families are jacked up and we're not seeing progress there, then we are not hitting the mark, right? Because we are, not, listen, every strong church, any strong church, I'm not talking about a big church, but I'm talking about a strong church because there is a difference between a large church and a strong church. I've ministered in small churches that are real strong, and then I've ministered in some very large churches, and they were very weak because they were built upon more of a, uh, uh, basically tr uh, a, a seeker-friendly type model where we're just trying to invoke people to come in the doors. But unfortunately, not only was everybody weak, but they stayed weak. And I want you to know, if you come here, you're not going to stay weak. Hallelujah. You're going to get strong. Amen. I said, you're going to get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. But anyway, so uh, we have to understand that, you know, just the size of a church by itself doesn't make it strong. But for a, a church to be strong, that first of all, there must be strong families. A church is never any stronger than the families that comprise that church. And understand this, you can't have a strong family without, first of all, a strong marriage. If marriages are not strong within this church, there will not be strong families. And if we don't have strong families, we won't have a strong church. Now, if you're not married, understand there's still obviously a place for you in the kingdom of God. God has a place, and that's not diminishing your role whatsoever in the church that God has for you. But I'm telling you that what God's plan from day one before he even established the church. First of all, he established the family, and the family foundation was that of a husband and wife that were flowing together in the unity of the Spirit, in the bond of peace, and were doing the will of God. Listen, husbands and wives, you've got to make a decision that regardless of what may come your way, we are going to do the will of God. Regardless of what people may say, we are going to do the will of God. Regardless of what may be screaming at us all around, we are going to obey God more than anything else. It's amazing to me in our culture and society today how many people place you know, a career and the making of money as the number one priority. Now, please understand, I believe that God wants you to have a career. I believe that you're supposed to be productive. Absolutely. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And that's very important. That is an aspect of life that God has initiated and God designed, even whenever he placed Adam in the garden and he, and he created something for him to actually be fruitful in. But understand this, that is not the priority of your life. The first single most priority within your life is to obey God, to seek God, and to do His will. Listen, if we're not, if you make ten million, fifty million, a hundred million, a billion dollars a year, but you're not obeying God, you know what's going to happen? You're going, you know, at the end of the day, you can't take it with you, and where you probably are going is not where you're going to desire to go. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. Because money, can, money cannot bring joy into your heart. I don't care how much money you have. It'll never. I don't care what kind of car you drive. Nothing wrong with having a nice car. You don't care what kind of house you live in. Nothing wrong with having a nice house. As a matter of fact, I'm believing God for every one of you to have a nice home. I believe God wants you to have a nice home. I believe he wants you to have all those things. But understand this. He does not want those things to have a hold of you. 
He does not want those things to control you. He doesn't want your career and money and all these other things to control you. So what has to be the controlling force, that which we have surrendered to and submitted our lives to is this. Lord, we have surrendered to you. More than anything, more than the air we breathe, we want to obey you. It's one of the things we instilled within our children when they were young. We told them, said the first and primary thing you must understand is you must obey God. That is more than anything else within your life. You've got to do the will of God. You know, more, I don't care how much money you can make, you know, five towns over. If that's not the will of God for your life, you don't go there. Because ultimately you'll lose everything you gain if it's not God's plan for your life. Amen? So part of our vision is to build families. And again, no building is any stronger than its foundation. And the foundation of the church is the family, and the foundation of the family is the husband and wife uh, relationship. A family itself must be built on biblical foundations. If it's not built upon biblical foundations, it will eventually crumble. To build any other way will ultimately cause failure, will cause cracks, and the building will not stand. Self-help methods concerning marriage and family, those are all wonderful and good, but understand this, that by itself will not produce strong families. If you're not building upon the foundations of God's Word, your family will not be strong. How many of you this morning want to have a strong family? Do you want to have a strong family? Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, or as it says, soul in the original King James. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Then the Lord God, verse 15, skip down to 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good... That man should be alone, I will make a helper comparable to him, or as the original King James says, a helpmeet for him. Skip down to verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Praise the Lord. How many of you men are glad that God made a woman? I know y'all can do better than that. How many of you men are glad that God made your woman? Amen. Hallelujah. She's a brick house. Amen. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to Israel. Let me just pause here for just a moment because this is not one of my notes. But listen, if you're married, uh, men, uh, uh, please understand, you can still have a relationship with your mother, but your mother is not your wife. And your wife is not your mother. And there should be nobody closer to you than your spouse. My mother's here. I love my mother. I appreciate and I'm thankful for my mother and my father. But I'm telling you, this is the person that I have that has my allegiance. Y'all acting like I'm saying something brand new that you've never heard. Listen, I'm not trying to split you and your mom up. But listen, if there is an unholy relationship there and inappropriate and your mom's closer to you than your spouse, then you need to rectify things. Woohoo! Hallelujah. 
Amen? Y'all still love me? I'm that, I can't believe that's challenging to some of me. I tell by the response. I mean, I'm getting some challenges here. Hallelujah. But listen, this is what the Bible says. This is, what, this is actually what is said here. For this cause, a man will leave his mother and father. He leaves his mother and father. And he's joined to his wife. That means he becomes one with his wife. And they shall become one, one flesh. You don't become one flesh with your parents, you know. I love my daughter, and, you know, I love my two sons. But you know what? Once they got married, they moved out. Praise the Lord. We just had four kids for 10 days. Let me tell you what, I was pulling on some supernatural grace. They were great. They were actually good. They were they're, they're well-behaved. Compliment to Pastor Joshua and Miranda. They trained their children very well to obey them and obey the Lord. He put the fear of God in them. Hallelujah. And, uh, but anyway, I mean, there's still any time when you're not, when you're 60 years old. <laughs> I know you're not yet. Yeah, but nonetheless... But the reality is, you know, when you haven't been doing this for a while and all of a sudden you've got four kids, uh, praise the Lord. But they moved out and, uh, and they have their own families now. And so they're no longer, they're not married to us any longer. Okay? They're not, they're not married to us. He, he's, Pastor Joshua is not accountable to me like a father and son living in the same house together. Does everybody understand that? It's a different, a different, different relationship altogether. So anyway, but they become one flesh. I don't want to get too caught up on that. And they were both naked, the man and his wife. The, by the way, the man was naked with his wife, not some other woman. And the wife was naked with her husband, not some other man. Y'all don't shout me down right now. And we're not ashamed. Hallelujah. Now, whenever you look at this entire story of creation, God creates, if you look at the, in its entirety, God creates all the earth and all the living things that we see and that we enjoy here on this planet. Yet after he creates Adam, he says, Adam, you're incomplete. You cannot do it by yourself. By the way, man, uh, men, we need to understand that we are incomplete without a woman. Okay? God, and by the way, that's not your fault. That's just the way God created you. And so man's incomplete without woman. So he creates a, his most beautiful creation. Man is refined from the dust. However, woman is refined from man. That means that woman is doubly fine, praise the Lord. When God creates woman and he brings her to man, the family is ordained at that moment. God ordained it and God exampled it. God forms woman out of man, brings her to man and says, this is my idea. This is the way that I am ordaining things to be. And by the way, it doesn't matter what any government may say. Doesn't matter what kind of laws are passed. It will never change the authority of the Word of God. It will never change what God has ordained. It will never change what nature itself calls for. Right? So God 
puts a man and a woman together, and he says, now this is good. If you read it back, he said, this is real good. This is, this, is, this is my finest creation. By the way, women, you don't need to think for one moment that you're some type of second-class citizen because you were God's crowning achievement whenever he made you. When God created woman, he said, now that's it right there. That's it right there. That's my crowning achievement. Adam, you just one step away from the dust. You're nothing more than dirt refined, but you know what? I'm creating this most, this masterpiece, this most beautiful creation, and I'm creating woman, and I'm going to put y'all together. I'm going to make you a team, and you're going to fulfill my purpose within the earth, right? And so God does all of that. So the, one of the first principles that we must understand in building a strong family is we have to follow God's design. Please write that down. Follow God's design. And God's design is one man and one woman. Anything other than God's design is a perversion. God created one man and one woman to be the very foundation of the family. And no other combination is acceptable. It may be acceptable in the government, it may be acceptable with the Supreme Court. It may be acceptable in Congress, and it may be acceptable in other states. But understand this, it is not acceptable in God's eyes, right? Because God did it right in the beginning. Now, you may ask, well, why do you take time to preach on this and teach on this? Because people are being brainwashed today in a secular culture that things are okay, that God says that's a perversion from what I did. Understand this, any time that you depart from God's original design, it is the same as spitting in the very face of God. Because what you're actually saying is this, God, you didn't do it right in the beginning. You don't understand, you didn't design things correctly. But my friend, my God has never done anything wrong. He's never done anything incorrect. And he designed one man and one woman to be together. He did not design one man and two women, or two men and one woman, or a man, a woman, and a dog, or any other kind of four-footed beast. God designed one man and one woman. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And by the way, I'm going to go ahead and be so bold as to say, whenever God put them together, there wasn't foreign objects around. There wasn't the internet around. There wasn't any pornography around. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Understand this, men and women, husbands and wives, you don't need anything from the outside whenever you get into the bedroom. The only thing you need, God gave the man what he needed, and God gave the woman what she needed, and hallelujah, whoo, hallelujah, you can have fire. Is that too strong for you? Somebody needs to say it, and somebody needs to hear it. Hallelujah. And we got all kind of people being brainwashed by these crazy people that think you got to have this to help you out. What do you mean? I know I'm getting very personal, but maybe I should wait and talk about this when I just have the men together and just the women together. No, I won't. I'll go ahead and say it right now. Listen. God gave man and woman, when my wife and I, before we started dating, hallelujah, you know, when we first got married, the only thing that I needed was her in a dark room, hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all don't look at me in that tone of voice. You did, you, you did the same thing. Come on. 
And by the way, ladies, the only thing you cheat... Well, praise the Lord. You love that individual, and all you, you wanted just to be together. See, God created things in a certain way, and man has come in and perverted the relationship. And that's the reason we have so many jacked up marriages and jacked up families and, and everything we see on television, you know, is so perverted what is portrayed many times in marriages and marital relationships. My friend, it's I'm not trying to beat anybody over the head with the Bible, but what I am saying is God has a plan that will bring joy, that will bring fulfillment, that will bring happiness, that will bring everything that your heart desires in a relationship if you just do it God's way. You just do it God's way. You follow God's design. Amen. I can't believe you're talking about that in front of God and everybody. Well, God's the one who made it that way. Right? Amen. See, again, I think in so many churches, everybody's pastors are afraid they might offend somebody. And understand, I'm not attempting in any way to offend anybody, but I am going to preach the truth and say, this is what we got to have in, if we're going to have a strong family. How many of you want to? I thought so many of you raised their hands and said, I want a strong family. You want a strong family? Well, we got to get back to God's design. Amen? So the, God's designed one man, one woman. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The second thing is this. You need to possess the conviction of no separation. Everybody shout, no separation. Because what Jesus said is this. What God has put together, let no man separate. You need to take divorce off the table. And by the way, you need to also take it out of your conversation. What you need to put in your conversation is this, baby, I don't care what we have to do. I don't care what I have to do. I don't care what you have to do. We're going to make this thing work in the name of Jesus, right? We're going to get together and pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to speak in love. We're going to show love towards one another. The reality, at some point in time, there was something that drew you to each other. There was something that was attractive about the individual that you married. Nobody held a gun to your head and said you had to marry them. And understand, you've got to find, uh, once again, what made them attractive to you. That's a whole nother thing. Right? Possess a conviction of no separation. So, and I, and I, I think I said this last time, but if, if, if you get closer to anyone than your spouse, then you are too close to them. You don't allow anybody to get closer to you than your spouse. Not long ago, I heard a story. I may have shared this last time. I heard a story about a pastor who actually from the pulpit had said something to somebody in his church because he was always with them and they ministered together and the wife was always kind of left on the outside looking in. He said, some people probably have, have mistaken this individual named the lady and as, you know, my wife because we minister so well together. Listen, if that's your reputation that you minister so well with somebody that's not your spouse, then I would encourage you to cut that relationship off real quickly. Right? Nobody should ever get closer to you than your spouse. Amen? You need to also do this. Appreciate your differences. I shared this last time, but uh, so I'm not going to expound on it when Pastor Stacey and I shared about team. But God made a helper for man. That word is neged, which means to stand out boldly opposite of. And also, it, it also means to confront. Men, we don't need to get upset whenever our wives may confront us on certain things. Right? We want to bow up. That's the reality. We want to bow up. What do you mean? Talk, I'm the man of the house here, you know? Come on. But you got to understand God created woman to be a neged, which is to stand out boldly opposite to me. She's not going to think like you. 
And also it means to confront. So there's going to be some confrontation. That happens within marriages. It happens. We have to learn how to properly handle that and not see one another as enemies, right? We appreciate our differences. And you know what? There's things that she thinks, you know, one way and I think a little bit different. And, uh, you know, we finally come to a conclusion and we get on the same page. Understand that we're made to complement, not clone one another. We're made to complete, not compete with one another. So don't attempt to make your spouse think exactly like you think because they're not. And, you know, that's to dream the impossible dream. You'll spend your entire, you know, married life trying to make your spouse think like you. And I'm telling you, even if you do that, they're going to be frustrated and feel like they're pinned up and they're being controlled by you. And my friend, that's not the way that we want our spouses to feel, right? So we appreciate our differences. This is the next thing. You need to possess a purpose. See, before God actually even gave Adam his wife, he gave him a job. Adam tended and he worked the garden. He was fruitful in the garden. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this. We cannot live our lives aimlessly. We should live with a purpose. If you want to see a marriage destroyed and come into ruins, have both of them have their, and live their lives with no purpose, no job, no vocation whatsoever. Ultimately, you know, it'll lead to poverty. It'll lead to the dissolution of the relationship. So we all need to have a purpose. You need to have a purpose in God, but you also need to have a purpose just while you're walking the face of this earth, right? You have a spiritual purpose and a natural purpose. Lock into your purpose and begin to do what God created you to do, amen? You're not here on earth to merely live, die, and then go to heaven. My friend, God has something good for you to do to positively affect the lives of other people around you, amen? The next thing is this, obey God's word. I already talked a little bit about this. But you know, one of the things that's important for husbands and wives to make a decision together, collectively, we are going to obey God's word. We're going to obey his precepts. We're going to obey his principles. Whenever God put the man and the woman in the garden, he said, don't eat of this tree. There was a precept. There was a command. And by the way, Adam and Eve would still be there in the garden today had they not disobeyed God. What we can learn from that is this. Whenever we disobey God, what happens is we forfeit things that God has provided for us. If we will learn as a husband and wife team to obey God and then teach that to our children, what they will understand is there's blessing whenever you obey God. There is the actually receiving of God's best within your life when you obey Him. However, if you decide to do something different, you end up forfeiting what God has for you. Is anybody getting anything out of this? You've got to make Jesus the center of your life and Jesus the center of your family. Now, whenever I grew up, I played football. I was in band. I did all sorts of things. But I'm telling you this. My mother and my father, they made sure that we made Jesus the center of our family. Jesus was the center of our life. Football was not the center of our life. Baseball was not the center of our life. Band wasn't the center of our life. And I practiced a lot and I was in everything that to do with, with band. But the reality, that was not the center of our life. The center of our life was that we were going to obey God and serve the Lord. Can somebody say amen? So, parents, listen. Never expect your kids to be something that you are not yourself. 
And there is more that is caught than taught. You can't expect them to obey God if you're not going to obey God also, all right? Here's the next principle. This is the last one. Enjoy your spouse. Everybody say, enjoy your spouse. Look at your, look at your husband or wife and say, I'm going to enjoy you, praise the Lord. Yeah. It says that they, God created them and he put them in the garden. And it says that they were not ashamed. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Now understand, it's not just saying that they were there exposed to one another and they were not ashamed of their nakedness. The word ashamed has a great, uh, a larger connotation than not uh, that of just, we're not embarrassed to be this way in front of one another. But the word ashamed there, the Hebrew word that's used, it means disappointed, it means delayed, and also it means dry. You know, sometimes people have dry relationships, dry marital relationships. I preached a little bit on this in Crestview, and I said this. I'll say it here. You know what? Your relationship needs to be juicy. Hallelujah. Right? It should be full of life. It should be full of vitality. I mean, it should be like an orange. You're just squeezing and going, man, I sure love this. Right? You ever got the dry orange and tried to squeeze something out of it and nothing comes out? You know, you get one of those nice juicy oranges and you're like, mmm, that's so good. Listen, you've got to see your marriages. That's the way it's supposed to be. You know, every moment that we have together, we're going to squeeze every moment that we have here. We're going to get every bit of juice out of it. We're going to get every bit of life out of it. We're going to enjoy it. Rather than fussing and fuming over the moments that you don't have to be together, why don't you start getting the juice out of the moments that you actually have together. Amen? Is that too strong for you? But that's what you're supposed to do. Man, I, I mean, look at what we have, honey. We got a roof over our house. We got a car in the garage or parked outside at least. You know, we got food on the table. We got a refrigerator that's filled with stuff that some of it's probably going to go to waste. We got everything imaginable. I got a recliner in front of the television. <laughs> At least I did for one hour until you decided you didn't like it there. I've got, we have all these things. Can we just, in, let's enjoy this moment. Let's enjoy our time together. Sometimes Stacy and I will be sitting down, be watching television, of course, a cooking show. <laughs> and I reach over there. I'm not joking about that. That's for the truth. It's cooking shows. Food Network. Okay, Beat Bobby Flay. I don't know if anybody saw that, but anyway. And, you know, and, and, or diners, drive-ins, and dives. But nonetheless, so, so we're wa watching these shows, and we'll just reach over there and just grab each other's hand, and I'll hold her hand. You know, we'll look at each other and smile. I sure do love you. Isn't it great to be together? Can we watch something else? <laughs> right? <laughs> you gotta learn to enjoy the moment. Man, I know you don't like to shop, but you know what? You can actually form a toleration, if nothing else. Okay? If nothing else, you can walk in them. We don't have a mall anymore. You can walk wherever, in Dillard's, or you can walk in Penny's, or you can walk over in Burlington, or, or you can even walk in Alta. All right. And you can admire their beauty, 
okay? If you can't do anything else, you know? I mean, embarrass them there in front of I really love you, baby. You're the most beautiful woman in this store today. Hallelujah. Yeah, I mean, do you, there's all, you can enjoy anywhere you're at. Listen, I've had to learn that because, you know, my kids nickname, I'm getting real transparent here. My kids nicknamed me when anytime we would go to Disney, they called me, you know, one of the seven dwarfs, Grumpy. Because <laughs> my idea of having fun was not going to Disney World. That's like, how can, can you torture me just a little bit more? But you know what? I had to, I had to shift my thinking. And I'm probably still shifting my thinking in some of these areas. But you know what? Wherever you're at, you could make something good out of it and you could enjoy the company of your spouse if you're not liking even the surroundings that you're in at the moment in time. It may be uncomfortable, but you know what? You got your baby there with you, right? And what the Bible actually says is they were not disappointed, they were not delayed, and they were not dry. Don't let the daily routine of life cause your joy to cease in your relationship. You need to enjoy and relish every moment that you have with each other. You need to be glad that you have one another. Just like I'm glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm glad that I got up this morning and you were right there beside me. I'm glad whenever I made my coffee this morning, you you were in the, under the same roof where I was at. Praise the Lord. Amen. It's easy to complain about what you don't have and become unappreciative of what you actually possess. See, fussing about your busy schedules, the only thing that's going to do is bring you down. Why don't you just begin to enjoy the time that you actually have together? If you will joy in each other's presence, you will not be disappointed. You see, what are we saying this morning? I'm saying this. We got to go back to the garden. We got, we got to go back to the way that God originally created. This is the way that God intended things to be. God intended for us to live in this manner. Whenever God created man and woman and he put them together, he said, this is the way that family is supposed to be. This is the way things are supposed to be. It is man that has corrupted things. Man has perverted things. And I'm saying in the name of Jesus that you're going to have a strong family. It's going to start with a strong marital relationship but in order to have that, you got to get back to the garden. You got to go back to the beginnings. You got to do it God's way. You got to go back to God's design. Man and our culture and our society and our government, they have departed from the design that God actually laid out in the beginning. And you know what? The only way you're going to have true happiness, the only way you're really going to see God's blessing in your life is you got to go back to the beginning. You got to go back to Eden. You got to go back to the garden. You got to go back to God's original design. How many of you say this morning, I'm going to go back to God's original design? Would you just stand to your feet this morning? Stand to your feet today. <clears throat> This morning, I believe that God's wanting to heal relationships. I believe that God wants to heal marriages. I believe that God wants to put you on the right track. I know I've went a little bit longer than what we normally go, and we'll probably have people waiting outside right now. That's good, you'll be able to speak to them on your way out. But strong families begin with a strong foundation. That's the husband and wife team, so I'd like for every husband and wife to join hands this morning. And for those of you who are single parents, or maybe you're just a single person, God hasn't forgotten about you. And you're to be married to the Lord until the Lord brings you a spouse. And you need to stay connected to Him in the same way. But I believe that God wants to strengthen the families here today. And so I'd like for just every one of us, we're going to pray together. We're going to make these declarations together because I believe the Lord wants to strengthen your family to do it. Everybody just lift your hands. And I want you to say this. I want you to make these declarations today. Father, 
In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you have ordained the family. And it starts with our relationship. And we choose today to go back to your original design. We're going to live the way that you designed things to be in the beginning. In the name of Jesus, we accept no perversion. We accept no augmentation to what you declared, to what you designed. And we say what God has put together and what God has ordained. Let no man put asunder, separate, or divide. We say no to the spirit of divorce. We say no to the spirit of this age. We say, let God be true and every man a liar. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we will serve you all the days of our life. Our families will serve you all the days of our lives. Our children are taught of the Lord and great is their peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, we give you glory and we give you praise. Can we all give the Lord a praise right now? Go ahead and give him a praise. Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.